a friendly warning. Some of the stories in the Monster Box contained scenes depicting adult themes, strong language, sexual content, and intense violence. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, friend, and welcome to The Monster Box, a collection of audio stories of and about monsters inspired by the D&D universe. I'm your resident monster host and narrator, Chuck D. Yeager. Beside me sits the aforementioned Monster Box, a treasure chest full of stories written by a collective of monster lovers, like yourself, known as the Monster Nation. Each time I open it, I release a new tale about a different creature for your enjoyment. So let's lift the lid and see what awaits us. Today's tale is a comedic look at the Chimera. The Chimera, a beast that is part lion, part dragon, and part goat, is savage ferocity, dangerous cunning, and scornful hellfire all rolled into one nasty little package. Little is known about these chaotic cannonballs of fury, except that they are solitary hunters that are spawned from the depths of black magic and are great lovers of baklava. This story is brought to you by none other than me, dear listener. I hope you enjoy it. It's entitled, Finding a New William. Gladys looked into her ledger for the fourth time that morning and sighed in annoyance, producing a wisp of flame and smoke from her brick-red nostrils. Her clawed forepaws adjusted the wire-rimmed spectacles perched on her snout, as she squinted at the spidery mess of ink on parchment before her. I'm telling you, it just doesn't add up, she said, a note of exasperation creeping into her voice. Hmm, yeah, well, I'm sure it's here somewhere, came a distracted voice from nearby. Gladys turned to glare at the rich mane of golden hair framing the Leonin face of her companion, Rengar, who was presently engaged in reading over some brochures pertaining to a safari somewhere in the wildlands to the north. Getting Rengar to take his muzzle out of his stupid travel magazines and pay attention to anything for longer than a minute could be a real challenge. It was days like this that made Gladys wish she didn't have to share the same body with the other two heads. Well, she said in a tight voice, if you're so sure it's here, then by all means be my guest and show me where. Gladys gestured with one of their scaled forepaws towards the cavern before them. In the weak light of early dawn, The cave they called home was a mix of tumbled rocks, heaps of coins, odd bits of furniture, and more than a few sets of skeletal remains from foolish adventurers who had ventured too far into their domain. It was towards the backside of the cave that she gestured, where a child's ornate armoire stood open, a door hanging ever so slightly from a loose hinge. Brightly colored bottles sat toppled on tiny shelves, intermixed with a litter of paper and scrolls, while exotic trinkets from all over the world spilled out onto the ground nearby. We still gotta fix that hinge, you know. The voice that spoke was weary, as if the act of speaking was almost not worth the effort. It came from a horned and shaggy goat head just next to Rengar, which had dipped down to once again resume eating from a series of fine china bowls that lay scattered on the floor. Its breakfast consisted of a fresh croissant, eggs not too overdone, baklava, and almond-flavored tea. By the gods, not this again, said Gladys, huffing a small column of smoke as she took the glasses from her eyes. And for the love of the underworld, can you stop slurping that tea, Henrik? Henrik rolled his horizontal goat eyes and munched a bit more on his croissant. Yeah, sure thing, G. 
I'll get right on that. Just as soon as you stop blathering on about ledges and coins and missing statues. Both of you, quiet! Roared Rengar. A quick stomp of agitation from Henrik's back hooves and a rustle of Gladys's leathery wings were the only retorts. Both of them knew from too many years spent together that Rengar's outbursts were not to be taken lightly. Besides, he could be a real dick for days after one of his tirades. All right, big guy, keep your fur on, said Henrik between mouthfuls of chewing. What do you propose we do? Do, said Rengar, a little confused as he looked up from his brochure. What are you talking about? Gladys sighed again and gestured once more to the armoire. He means about the missing totem. What do you propose we do about it? Rengar focused his yellow eyes for the first time towards the back of the cave. A low grumble issued from his throat as he carefully placed a pod forefoot to mark his page in the brochure. When did that happen? That's what I've been trying to tell you, said Gladys, hissing in frustration. The totem was in the armoire when we left for Corval. I noted it myself in the ledger, along with the scrolls and treasures from the last raid. With this, she held up a giant tome filled with inky numbers and letters. Rengar made a sour face. He couldn't care less about her bookkeeping. Better to be on the hunt, or even better than that, be on vacation. And now it's gone, she finished in a huff. Henrik bleated a chuckle. <laughs> yeah, the almighty ledger. All hail its unfailing protection for our daily lives. How could anything ever be disturbed if it's in the ledger? His eyes danced with mischief at Gladys's mounting frustration. Just as she was about to launch into another one of her lectures about the virtues of journaling to enhance one's mental fortitude, he continued, Why don't we just focus on who snatched the fucking thing? There's no point in arguing if it's been nabbed since it's clearly not there. The old goat slurped softly once more at its now cold tea and cast a sidelong glance at a nearby chalkboard with a partially finished symbol drawn on it. He was still working out the specifics of his latest project, a ward against the color blue. He always hated that color. He was close, just not quite there yet. Gladys's shrill tones summoned him back to the conversation. That's what I was trying to say, exclaimed Gladys. Their wings flexed in agitation before settling back on their broad lion back. No one even knew we had it in the first place. It just doesn't add up. Why would anyone come here looking for it? Sounds to me, rumbled Rengar, with more than a little theatrical gravitas in his deep voice. Like we've got a thief on our hands. If Henrik could have slapped his face with one of their forepaws, he would have. But as the head that controlled only their hindquarters, he instead rolled his eyes again, something he felt he was getting especially good at these days. Wow. Yeah, that does seem to make sense, Ren. Whatever should we do about that? Henrik's scorn was palatable. Gladys couldn't help but grin a toothy smile at the old goat's sarcasm. Rengar might be the bravest between them, and an excellent tracker, but he wasn't the sharpest sword in the pile. Ignoring Henrik's tone, Rengar continued, There's only one thing to do. Hunt them down and kill them. Now it was Gladys' turn to roll her eyes. She wasn't as good as Henrik, though. Hmm. Assuming that we even have the budget for another journey so quickly, she said, already calculating the costs of such a venture against their remaining monthly allowance. We don't yet know what was stolen. The armoire doesn't look like it's been broken into, but at this distance I can't be sure. All we know right now is that it's open and the totem is definitely gone. 
Let's head over there and take a closer look. Together, the three of them padded, clicked, and clopped towards the back side of the cave. When they drew near, Gladys exhaled a thin stream of fire at a torch set in the wall. The sudden firelight caused the shadows to dance wildly on the rocks briefly before the flame finally calmed down. There, amidst a pile of coins, trinkets, and discarded weapons, the three companions could clearly see the desiccated body of a human dressed in familiar robes. It lay just near the armoire. Is that William? said Rangar, a note of worry creeping into his voice. Hmm. Henrik kicked at a partially eaten backpack that had gotten lodged between their goat legs and moved them closer. Yeah, it does look like it. Sheesh. By the dock, what happened to him? Henrik had never been a great lover of William. Their conscripted cultist and messenger between themselves and their dark patron and father, the demon lord Demigorgon, but even he had to admit the man was useful. In life, William had been a plump man in the service to their dark father, and a bit of a servant for the three of them as well. Now, only a withered husk of skin stretched far too tight over its bony frame lie on the ground before them. One of the corpse's hands reached out towards the open armoire door. I don't think we'll ever know, said Gladys sadly. She liked William. There had been plenty of nights that the two of them had sat by one of her fires while the other heads were asleep and talked of the dark days to come, when the underworld would burst forth into this reality and subjugate all souls to its chaotic whim. They would eat marshmallows and pass the time sharing their terrible dreams and evil ambitions. It didn't hurt that William was a lover of cataloging things as well and kept his own diary of all the horrible deeds they would one day achieve together. Now, looking at the shell of their servant, Gladys couldn't resist a series of hot tears spilling down her cheek. Those days were gone now. Oh, gods, are you crying? said Henrik. No. The dragon's head reply was too fast, and Gladys hid her snuffles under a quick cough as she turned her head farther away from Henrik. Was he trying to take it? said Rengar, still trying to puzzle it all out. What? No, said Gladys, almost offended. He was probably trying to protect it from... Uh, whatever was trying to take it. So it was a thief, said Rengar, a grim look beginning to settle across his jowls. Their chest swelled as the muscles tightened, a telltale sign that Rengar was getting ready to shift into find-and-kill-shit mode. Hold the hunt for a minute there, big guy said Henrik hastily. We don't know that just yet. Yeah, look at his hands. The three of them peered into the firelight at the body before them. Inside his bony grip was a charred scrap of parchment barely four inches in length and rolled tight. Gladys reached down with their foreclaw and gently grasped the piece of paper. Bringing it up to her eyes, she squinted and settled the glasses once more on her scaled snout. A second later, a gasp of shock sounded from the dragon head. What? said Rengar, growing impatient. What is it? It's... it's from him. It's from father. The note of alarm and surprise in her voice caused the three of them to shuffle back a few steps closer to the cave's opening. Well, spit it out, you overgrown lizard, said Henrik, trying to mask his growing worry with scornful bravado. What the hells does it say, G? The dragon head harumphed, momentarily forgetting the importance of the note, and smiled primly. Well, if you spent a little more time learning your letters, Henry, perhaps you could read it for yourself. As it stands, it looks like once again I must educate us all on the words of our master and lord. Henrik bucked once and stomped their hind legs so hard it sent a crack echoing through the chamber. It's Henrik, you old garden snake, and don't change the subject. And then, 
as if all the passion and bluster had fled him at once, his tired voice returned. Just tell us what it says. It says, started Gladys, the relish in her voice quickly giving way to seriousness, that our father will be coming on the tide of the new blood moon, and that we are to be ready to aid him and his armies in the siege he is planning. Wait, what? The new blood moon? As in the one that's happening in two weeks? Rengar's voice was a mixture of worry and petulance. But we already have plans to go to the Terragoth Peaks Convention. Is that the festival with the big white angel dog thing? asked Henrik. No, no, that was the Frosted Force of Phyron. He's talking about the gathering in the deserts of Asherim. Gladys's voice was softer now, fondly remembering their time in the races and the wonderful treasures they had acquired there. You remember? The one where we met the servant of the Fungus Queen and won that silver cup over there? She gestured to a pile where several dozen items of precious cutlery and jewels lay scattered about. Oh, yeah, I remember now. That place had the best little cakes. Oh, and that red oasis where we met Tasha. Henrik bleated contentedly at the fond memory of the Lamia Huntress that Rengar had a crush on. Yes, said Rengar, smiling to himself at the mention of the Huntress. That's the one. We have plans, Gladys. He just can't announce things like that and expect us to drop everything we're doing without, you know, a few years' warning, can he? Doubt crept into the Lionhead's voice. Gladys sighed again. I'm afraid he can. I'm sorry, mate. Her claw patted their own furred shoulder in comfort as she watched Rengar drop his head in frustration. He's the boss, after all. We have to do as we are bidden. Henrik nodded. It's in the dark pact and everything, Ren. There's no way around that. The goat head leaned down to slurp another bit of tea, draining the dregs in one last gulp. But why did William have that paper? asked Rangar, trying to shake himself out of his disappointment. Gladys began to chant words unpronounceable by any tongue but a dragon's. A vivid green slash of light flashed from her mouth as she exhaled the last syllable. Emerald light suffused the armoire and what remained of William's body. After a few moments, the light died down, and Gladys sagged against her companions. Easy now, said Rengar and Henrik, almost in unison, as they sifted their front weight to carry more of the burden. They'd both seen Gladys do this countless times before. As the dragon head, she was the spellcaster of their party, and she alone could wield the arcane talent of their father. Gladys cleared her head with a shake and snaked her serpentine neck back up to its normal position. It appears as though our father has called the totem back to him. I don't know why, she said, as emotion began to choke her words. But it looks like poor William came in during this event and saw that the armoire was open and went to close it. When he came in contact with the demonic energies within the cabinet, Gladys's voice drifted off as she swallowed hard. Well, he didn't make it. No shit said Henrik, staring at the withered form of William on the ground. And whose fault is that? I wasn't the last one to open the stupid cabinet. Goat and dragon eyes each shifted to stare at Rengar, shame blooming suddenly across his face. Why are you looking at me? He demanded, his voice attempting to cover the realization dawning in his eyes. You know why, continued Henrik. You always forget to lock that thing when you're looking at your stupid travel brochures. Look, I've told you a thousand times not to keep them in there. Damn it, Ren, said Gladys, a rising anger in her own voice now. 
You know how hard it is to find good help like William. Now we've got no one to watch over the horde. The swishing of the lion's tail told her that Rengar was getting more agitated, but she didn't care. And we've got no one to act as a messenger to father about our response either. Their muscles tensed, but Rengar only shook his mane in response. Look, I'm, I'm sorry, okay? I, I fucked up. We can, we can get another cultist. His voice came quicker, eagerly seizing on a new plan. You both remember that village not far from Cashin Falls, right? It's only a day's flight away. There was a rumor about a month ago of some cultists down there worshipping the lords of the underworld. We could head there and see about getting a replacement. Don't you even dare say we can replace William, said Gladys, fire dripping from her jaws in a barely contained rage. He was like family, Wren. Her eyes watered with unshed tears as her voice rose to a crescendo of emotion. Henrik quickly intervened. No, no, you're right, G. He was. And we could never replace him. This last, he said with a sidelong and knowing look at Rengar that said, Don't screw this up any more than you already have. But we do need to find another way to reach Dad. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but Ren's idea isn't half bad. Rengar followed Henrik's lead. Yeah, right. That's what I meant. Rengar smiled at Gladys in what he hoped was a sincere gesture. But being a creature of Hellspawn magic, he wasn't quite sure how it came across. Still, she wasn't breathing flames at him like the time he dropped her series of books on fey architecture as they flew over that live volcano, so he took that as a good sign and continued. If we hit the village right away, we might still be able to find the trail of one of those cultists and, you know, encourage them to help us. Rengar couldn't help but wince inwardly at his choice of words. Encourage them? He could already hear that blasted goat head working on a retort. Oh, he'd encourage them all right. Not every cultist was as willing as William, but in the end, he would ensure they got what they needed. And besides, they knew what he meant. Gladys spat the last of her frustration away in a small stream of fire and tried to calm down. Fine, she said, eyeing the body of William once more. But this time we all vote on which cultist to bring on board. Henrik groaned as he nudged at a pile of well-worn rocks nearby. As he did, the rocks clattered away, exposing a large bronze ring set into a trap door on the floor. Without hesitation, Henrik slipped one of his horns into the ring and pulled his head back into the side, leveraging the trap door open. Gee, is now really the time to get into the whole voting discussion again? I can't see a better time. It's pertinent, and I think... Henrik cut her off as he swung his head around to face her. Yeah, we all know what you think, Gee, but save it, okay? We gotta get this little distraction underway. Now. Wouldn't want to keep the boss waiting. Rengar purred in anticipation. He did so love the hunt. I agree with Henrik. We can discuss the details after we have found our quarry. I mean, our messenger. One day's travel. That's what you said, right, Ren? Gladys used the tone she always adopted when discussing how much of their hoard they ought to spend. Arguing with her now was a surefire way to ensure an even longer delay to their departure. One day, said Rengar, nodding in agreement. His eyes had the distant look of a master tactician planning his next move. Gladys looked over their hoard, quickly checked her ledger, and finally nodded as well. Both dragon and lionhead turned to the goat who was pulling a large sack out of the trap door with his teeth. As it was freed from its hiding place, the sack spilled a series of small runestones that glowed with a sickly yellow light. Henrik scooped out first two, then thought better of it and grabbed a third with his teeth, 
before nudging the rest of the stones back into the bag with his muzzle. In one swift kick, he sent the bag back into the hole and slammed the trap door closed. Henrik looked up at the two heads staring at him. What? he said, as he used their hind legs to scrape the runestones on the ground. Where they scratched the rock, small trails of yellow crust left a stain on the ground, forming odd patterns. You both know I'm in as well. Let me just finish here and we can be off. Hmm. You missed a spot, sniffed Gladys. She observed Henrik's work with a critical eye, as she often did. Fuck off, said the old goat, as he completed the sigil on the ground. Gladys might be the spellcaster of the group, but no one knew the wards that protected their lair quite like Henrik. He liked to think that maybe one day he'd learn a ward to shut the other two up so he could have some peace in his life. A smile drifted across his muzzle at the thought. Suddenly, yellow light began to emanate from the rocks all around them, signaling that the wards were in place. Henrik grunted in satisfaction. No thieves were getting in here and making it out alive with their stuff as long as the wards held. We ready then? Rengar's face was all fervor for the fight. Their bodies stretched, and Gladys gave their wings a small flap in anticipation of flight. Henrik glanced down at the empty china bowls, tissed once to himself in disappointment at them being empty, and then nodded. Yep, indeed, said Gladys. Let's do this. The three-headed beast made its way to the entrance of the cave. There, amidst the dawn light, its shadow cast a wide berth of darkness over the ground before it. Tensing only briefly, it lunged into the chilly air, wings snapping like sails as they caught the wind, and soared down into the rocky canyon below. To any who would have seen it, it was a harbinger of death, a sign of chaos and evil to come. But there was no one around to witness its dark majesty on this fall morning. As they sailed towards the distant speck of Cashin Falls on the horizon, Gladys yelled into the wind, Do we still have that scroll to summon cultists to us? Of course we do, bleated Henrik loudly. He scowled as the wind tugged his facial fur all over the place. It kept getting in his eyes. We ain't idiots, G. Gladys practiced rolling her eyes again. How did Henrik do it so well? I didn't say you were, she retorted. Where is it? Relax, I have it, said Rengar, pride and strength filling his voice. He roared once, unable to help himself. He did so love to fly. Maybe today was going to turn out to be all right after all. It's in the armoire. Oh, shit. And with that, our story comes to a close. Who knew the chimera had such layered complexity hidden within those deadly heads? I had a lot of fun imagining the chimera with a bit of comedy and drama added to its daily life. The idea of three heads always working in perfect unison never sat well with me. Maybe it comes from having two siblings and knowing just how few times we all saw eye to eye. I will admit, though, I do hope Gladys, Rengar, and Henrik find a new replacement for William soon. Competent cultists are so hard to come by these days. Thank you for tuning in. Today's tale was written, narrated, voiced, and produced by Chuck D. Yeager. All music is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. If you have a story about a monster and want to join the illustrious writers of the Monster Nation, feel free to contact us at themonsterboxawaits at gmail.com. And until next time, remember, there's a story within every monster.